O Lord, open our lips, and our mouths will declare your praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The scripture for today is Luke 15, verses 11 through 32. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's word as we listen to O Love That Wilt Not Let Me Go, with text by George Matheson, arranged here by Keith and Kristen Getty and Dana Masters. This striking arrangement of this late 19th century hymn features minimal accompaniment and a focus on improvisatory, gospel-style vocals. The inclusion of accordion and upright bass lends a unique, almost melancholy quality to the music. In the final verses, the two vocalists join together in an earnest duet.
Luke 15, verses 11 through 32. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. A few years ago, David Brooks published a book called The Second Mountain, and in it he explores two common ways that he sees young people today approaching adulthood. The first he terms the Instagram life, and the second he calls the insecure overachiever. For those pursuing the Instagram life, life is judged as though it were a piece of art, using largely aesthetic criteria. Is it interesting or dull, pretty or ugly, pleasurable or painful? Folks in this group are desperately pursuing new and interesting experiences, and freedom is the controlling value. Their Instagram feeds, as a result, 
are amazing. But, according to Brooks, this path ultimately leads in one direction. The ditch. Such freedom, according to Brooks, makes a person dizzy. It's nearly impossible to know where one actually stands, and people in this position are often convinced that others are doing life better. Then there's the insecure overachiever route. This group is pragmatic, hardworking, and good at solving problems. They went to the right schools, got the right jobs, at the right companies, and have been progressing in the right direction ever since. But according to Brooks, this pragmatic route doesn't spare you from the ditch either. The problem with pragmatism is that it often doesn't work. When your identity rests on a list of accomplishments or a job title, then your identity is fragile. You find yourself constantly comparing yourself to others, and comparison is, after all, the great robber of joy. Brooks' description of the Instagram life and the insecure overachiever is particularly helpful in its demonstration of the reality that there's more than one way to be lost. Many even seemingly opposite paths lead to the ditch. This problem isn't new, and it's not exclusive to today's young people. Generations have been building roads to nowhere from the very beginning. This text, Luke 15, 11 through 32, is commonly referred to as the parable of the prodigal son, but this title misses a key element of the story. The beginning of chapter 15 sets up three parables, which are stories meant to communicate a deeper truth, including this one. But the first two verses of the chapter set up the context. In verses 1 through 2, we read that Jesus tells the story to two very distinct groups, tax collectors and sinners being one, and the Pharisees and scribes being the other. The first group, the tax collectors and sinners, were considered the dregs of society. The other group mentioned, the scribes and Pharisees, were the religious elite. Jesus is aware of his entire audience, and he wants the outcasts and the religious establishment to hear his words. So notice that Jesus doesn't begin this parable by saying, a man had this one son who was really, really bad. No, instead it begins, there was a man who had two sons, and both of them are lost. Both are on a path to the ditch because both of them are trying to justify themselves apart from God. They're both far more interested in what the Father has, his stuff, than they are in the Father himself. But Jesus tells this story with the intention of communicating that despite their lostness, despite their rebellion and rejection of him, neither group is beyond the reach of the Father's love. So who from the story do you identify with? The younger brother trying to pave his own way, rejecting the father outright? Or the older brother being very, very good, but still trying to prove yourself by your own good works and not the father's grace? Both paths lead to the ditch, but our father's love reaches even into the ditch. So will you accept it? In these next few moments, take some time to reflect on that amazing love the love that leaves the 99 to seek out the one lost sheep. The love that causes him to run even after the most rebellious son so that he might scoop him up into his arms. This, friends, is the love that God has for you.
Let's close now with this prayer from the Book of Common Prayer. Heavenly Father, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Look with compassion upon the heartfelt desires of your servants and purify our disordered affections, that we may behold your eternal glory in the face of Christ Jesus, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.